0: To episode four of Motivate the Change podcast. I'm your host, David, and uh, just wanted to go over a few things. Uh, We do not represent any recovery or support group or any uh, AA group. We are not experts nor claim to be. We're just a group of people uh, sharing our experience, strength, and hope. And uh, I got a guest with me right now. His name's Matt. Uh, He is from California, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about his experience, strength, and hope. First thing I wanted to ask him though, uh, you there, Matt? Here, here I am. What's going on? How are you? I just wanted to uh, ask. First thing I wanted to ask about was uh, since you're in California, I'm over here in Georgia. Um, how has the shutdown of the state uh, affected your recovery? And how 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 are things going with you, your friends, and uh, and going to meetings even?
1: Yeah, no, that that's uh, that's a good question. And and once again, thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. Um, so. My name is Matt, I am a recovering addict alcoholic and uh, I I do live in San Diego, California. Um, I do work for Allstate Insurance and I have been with them since about August of last year. And I got told in March, as of March 16th, that was a Monday that I'd be working from home. So I've just been kind of uh, on lockdown since mid-March, have not been to an in-person meeting since early March, Um, so that's been challenging for sure. Um, The governor shut everything down and then things got a little loosened up a bit recently um, and cases spiked and now as of this week he has, Governor Newsom has gone and shut everything down again barbershops, um, places with more than five people, anything like that. Restaurants, you know, hospitals, parlors
0: and all that stuff.
1: Right. Exactly. So.
0: Well, that's crazy, man. Cause I know here we've had, uh, we had a little bit of a shutdown. Uh, our meetings got completely shut down for a couple months. We just opened back up about a month and a half ago and coming back into the rooms after, um, I mean, of course, the zoom meetings got real popular and are still popular. Right. Um, we're, we're on zoom right now. Right. Um, if it hadn't been for the, meet, the Zoom meetings, I wouldn't even known how to do this. But, yeah, um, I,
1: I, have, I have a Zoom meeting that I go to, um, well, in my living room, I turn my computer on. <laughs> it's every, yeah. Fr- every Friday night and it's a men's meeting. And it's a meeting that uh, when I went to rehab for the last time um, in March of 2019, I went to a sober living afterwards. Um, okay. It was very important for me to do a transition, um, not just release myself back out into the wild and, and come back to uh, you know a house. <laughs> I, I, it was important that I still had some accountability. So I went to a sober living, which was also in San Diego. Um, my rehab was up in Anaheim near LA. But when I was at that sober living, I started going to this men's meeting in uh, in a place called Linda Vista, and it was a Linda Vista men's, and the place has a lot of sobriety in that room. You know, there's a few guys there with over 30, 40 years, and um, at that point, I, in, early in my recovery, I just, it was the type of place where I just go in and just zip my lips and listen, yeah. you know what I mean? Because there's a, no, a lot of knowledge in that room, and um, I know from past experiences that me thinking uh, I know everything and want to be a big shot in the room on the first day has not ended well, so... <laughs>
0: uh, y'all being shut down we've like i've had a lot of people go back out uh and we haven't even been completely shut down do you have have any friends or how's your recovery actually been since you've been on lockdown haven't had the uh you know that network that uh being able to go to a meeting and talk to people and really be that face-to-face experience and and the experience of the rooms you know what i mean like how, how is that affecting you
1: right so um so I've been sober now for almost a year and a half, and I would say at about nine or ten months, I started feeling pretty strong in my sobriety. Um, so the transition from meetings uh, in person to the Zoom meetings, which I do once or twice a week now, um, it didn't—it hasn't affected my sobriety too much. You know, I, I live with my fiance, um, who is extremely supportive. She doesn't drink in the house, um, so I don't have the alcohol around. Um, I have people that I reach out to on a daily basis, other than just my sponsor. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends in the program and when we kind of all keep each other accountable, um, as best, you know, as best we can. Um, but on a daily basis, you know, I mean, I, I, I do whatever's necessary to stay at least 1% ahead, you know. So if there's a if there's a 100% scale, as long as I'm 50 if as long as I want to be sober 51% versus 49% don't want to be sober, I'm ahead of the game. I like that. That's good, yeah, I like that. So I just need to stay a little ahead of the curve a little bit. So if I'm feeling froggy, I know I can reach out to people and and I have a good support system and and I'm busy, you know. I I was lucky to where my job sent me to work from home and they didn't just, you know, um cut me off or say, hey, we'll see you in a few months, you know. You're
0: still writing policies at home.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and actually believe it or not, I'm i I'm shocked that my sales are actually doing quite well. I mean people people are all at home, so they got to pick up the phone now. So <laughs>
0: oh yeah, oh yeah. Well it sounds like you're actually uh you've worked a really strong a really good strong program. That, that I got some buddies, uh, I got a couple friends uh I'll stay real close with uh, one of them was out in Washington state and uh, he moved out there right when this, the COVID stuff really started getting big. And uh, that was one of the things I was asking him. Cause I, I was, I was still connected with my inner circle here in Georgia and he, he had moved him and his girlfriend moved out to Washington, didn't know anybody, didn't know anything. And uh, that was one of the things I asked him. I was like, how's your recovery doing out there? And he, he just flat out told me and it just clicked in my head. Uh, He's like, man, the whole point of working an honest program is to get you through situations like this. Mm-hmm. If you work a good, honest program uh, and uh, work the steps to your your best capability and as honestly as you possibly can, um, these these situations that have come up in our lives right now, you're, you should be able to get through them. Uh, I say it all the time. Uh, steps are a solution to every problem sober. Uh, you may have heard that acronym before. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's exactly what it is, man. Like, we, we, get, we get complacent from our, our network. Uh, you pick up the phone, you call, you follow the steps that we're putting in place. Like, just because you can't go to work and you get stuck at home doesn't mean you need to go out and go, go get drunk.
1: Right. And for me, it just comes down to I was tired of making excuses, man. Yeah. I'm tired of I – I know for a fact that if I go pick up a drink right now, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to go through the process of hiding it. And then I have to eventually tell my home group and then I have to restart my days. And, the, and there's, all, there's all these things that I would have to do that come along with picking up the drink. And I think once you're sober for long enough, um, you realize that it's not just hiding it in that first 24 hour period that matters. Mm-hmm you have to, I have to put on a show for work on Monday, because I'll probably be late if I pick up a drink on Saturday, you know what I mean? There's all those things. Um, I, I, I know one of my uh, my older therapists mentioned the rule of 10. You know, if I pick up a drink from now, if I pick up a drink right now, where am I going to be 10 minutes from now? Where am I going to be 10 hours from now? Where am I going to be 10 days from now? You know, and and, and for me, it gets dark really quick. I know in my addiction, um, I mean, I, I, it just got, it got really, really dark really quick, you know, Mm -hmm. so um, I can get into some of that, but it's. Well, with that,
0: uh, why don't we go ahead and bring up the topic here uh, of uh, surrender, um, talking about when we decided to send to surrender and what exactly surrender means to you. Uh, If you want to kind of give us a little backstory, uh, when, when did you decide you, you felt like you needed to surrender?
1: Okay. So, you know, I mean, like most people, I, I started uh, dabbling in alcohol and, and marijuana and things like that at around the age of 15 or 16. And, okay, um, you know, I, I had, I had taken a real liking to it. You know, it was nice to temporarily escape from reality for a little bit, you know. Um, but for For the beginning, it wasn't affecting my life. I was still going to school. Mm -hmm. I was still, uh, I still had a good relationship with my family. I was able to keep relationships. Um, That stuff didn't happen right away. So you almost don't see it coming. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. um, I I ended up, I mean, it's affected me in a lot of ways. I was kicked out of college. I was kicked out of these special operations dive program um, due to, you know, due to alcohol and and poor decision-making. And it's affected me in a lot of ways. Um, I ended up, uh, getting out of the military in 2018 and I won't really get into that because there's still some things going on with that. But, um, basically once I got out, I had just kind of committed to a life of, uh, I, I had committed to a life of the streets and I had almost gave up. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to live my life according to my own plan and my own schedule. I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to work, you know, I've already been in the military eight years and that was a way that I could justify going out and having some fun, but the fun didn't stop until I'm in handcuffs or a hospital bed, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so that's where it takes me, you know, so.
0: Once you got, once you got to that point, uh, I'm assuming once, uh, you hit a bottom so low, you decided that it was it was time to make a change. When did you uh, decide you actually thought you should make a change in your life? Uh, right. so, to to the year and a half of sobriety you have.
1: Yeah, so, you know, after, after being on the streets for a little bit and bouncing around uh, sober living to sober living, I, you know, I, I had met a girl in my addiction, and she is now my fiance, actually. Congratulations. And, and she... She noticed that i was having a really tough time we would go out and i would try to stay sober um but she could tell that i was either high or drunk and um she's cambodian and her uh parents are actually like uh, kind of spiritual healers um in that sense almost like the equivalent of like a monk type of thing and uh i actually ended up i ended up moving in with them and i ended up i mean when and when i moved in with them i was in pretty bad shape i was I was a full blown alcoholic. I was in psychosis from substances that I was doing. And it was it was really hard. I mean, they took on a burden, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Um, But I slowly got sober a little by little and I was kind of going back and forth. So I said, you know what? I need to go back to rehab and give it one more shot. So I I ended up going to the Lighthouse Treatment Center in Anaheim, California, and I had a spiritual experience there, and I've been sober ever since. That was March 6th um, when I went in to rehab, and I've been sober since that date, March 6th,
0: 2019. Okay. And um, have you uh, worked the steps, and are you one that's worked the steps and finished the steps, or
1: did you
0: do a spiritual awakening? So I mean, there's all whatever works for it works. My dad was my dad was sober 27 years before he passed away. He never worked the steps. Um, right. Some people would say he was a dry drunk, but uh, I mean, whether he was dry or not, he stayed sober, stayed out of jail, stayed out of trouble, and raised raised his kids. Um, but uh, and I got a friend of mine. He uh, uh fresh out of prison. Uh, he uh, he'll go to meetings, but he and he's read read the Big Book. Uh, but he is not necessarily one to work the steps. I, I think maybe he might work them eventually one day. But, I mean, he's actually got a pretty strong uh, program. He works on his own. Right. So, um, yeah, I, if I, I I mean, for whatever works for you, works for you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's different for everyone. Um, for me, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous works best. Um, the book speaks to me. The book works. Um, <laughs> You know, I, when I first went into an AA meeting, you know, four or five years ago, um, or may, yeah, three or four years ago, um, I knew I was an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. you know? and I, I knew that that place was positive and I could get something out of it. I just didn't want to commit. I always wanted to put in 50%, maybe even 90% but never a hundred percent, you know, and and that's
0: like, you know what you're doing and then just kind of leave.
1: And when I had that spiritual experience in, in rehab of all places, um, which, first of all, I I didn't even think spiritual experiences were real. Yeah.
0: All right. I, I am
1: not, I am not of any religious denomination. I, I just never really, I never really thought I was uh, entitled to a spiritual experience because I don't live spiritually or I didn't, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you I, 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 my day was spent, it was 24 hours of causing wreckage. There was no spirituality, you know, so I didn't think I was entitled to that, but I did have this aha moment when I was there and that was the turning point for me. I said to myself, I think, I think if I try to put a hundred percent into this, I think I might get some results. Mm -hmm. But I know I have to put a hundred percent in because I've tried to put that 50 or 80 or 90% in before. And I've wound up back
0: in rehab. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Now that's the same thing that happened to me. I I got introduced to AA probably, uh, 10, 11 years ago and, uh, I got court ordered to go to my first AA meeting. Uh, Mm -hmm. had to do 40 AA, I go to 40 AA meetings, um, went to those, um, had an old, old timer in there tell me uh, if I don't have a problem, then why don't you just don't drink for 30 days. I said, all right, shit, I won't drink for 30 days. Uh, didn't drink for 30 days. And then I didn't drink for another 30 days after that to do it for myself. I did 30 for him, 30 for me. But the only problem was being young and imp- very impressionable at that age, being 17, 18 years old. Because I could quit and because he told me, well, if, I'm not a, if you're not an alcoholic to quit, that for the next nine years of my life, I I thought if I could stop, I didn't have a problem. Uh, if I could go on a coke bender for four or five days, then start smoking meth for two or three days, right. and be drinking that whole entire time, but then quit for a week, sober up a little bit, and then quit. I, I was swearing to myself in my fucked up head. I was telling myself I didn't have a problem
1: because
0: right. I could quit. And uh, it took. It took. T- and then the thing is. I'm lucky I got introduced to AA at a young age. I wish it had stuck. I wish I had took the suggestions. I wish I could have learned from the old timers mistakes than having to make them myself. It took me a long time to figure that out. I can learn from some other people's mistakes. But every time my life would go to shit, I'd go to an AA and I'd get sober for a few months or a couple weeks, however long, and I'd start to feel better again and then I'd leave. And then before you know it, I'm, I'm right back where I was. Uh, and each time I get further and further, it was like a. It, it's like drawing a line in the sand when you're a kid, man. Uh, you draw, at first, you're like, I'll never smoke a cigarette. You end up smoking a cigarette. Then you, you cross that line. You, you tell you, draw another line. I'll never smoke weed.
1: Right.
0: Then you smoke fucking weed. And then you just keep on drawing another line. I'm never going to snort cocaine. I draw a line right there. Right. Or never going to snort meds. Keep on going and going. And then it got to the point in my life where. I realized that even going to jail and then getting out of jail, knowing that if I fuck up again would be the end of me, uh, that wasn't even enough to give me surrender. Uh, right. So I realized that that was my body. That's when I realized I needed to surrender. And I crawled into the rooms and uh, finally started really asking for help. Right. And um, once I asked for help, working those 12 steps, and just like we were talking about uh, the beginning Uh, what our recovery is like with the shutdown Mm -hmm. working those 12 steps and an honest program has relieved the desire for me to drink or do drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I I don't even, I want to say, I don't think about it, but I don't have the desire to do it. I mean, I might watch see a movie and see some people drinking some scotch and like, Hey, that'd be nice if I could sit there and do that. But then I know like I can't. Right. No. But uh, working the 12 steps, I mean, that's, that's what worked for me also. Was the right. 12th, that's, how I follow, that's the only thing that's worked for me. And, uh, I got sponsors. I've worked the program to the fullest. I got people underneath me. And just like you, how we met, you've got your motivational page, uh, right. Instagram, uh, what is it called?
1: It's called uh, a life recovered. Go check it out.
0: At a life recovered. Um, and that's how me and you've connected with each other. Cause I, I started right. the same thing that you're doing. I started a motivational page. If I can help one person. And that's all that matters. And the, uh, the feedback I've been getting, and I'm sure you'll, you'll get it too. Cause you're just starting. It's unbelievable. Like just a little post here and there, even a little post from the 24 hour book, just a little bit of a, uh, the thought of the day, daily reflections. It's, uh, just little stuff like that. People will comment and message me saying how it's changing their life. It's uh it's unbelievable what my life is like now in recovery. What is yeah. your, what's yours like now after you've, You've decided to surrender. You've worked the 12 steps. Um, How are things now in your coach? So, you know, I've noticed, too,
1: I think one of the biggest things for me and the way that I stay sober on a daily basis now is I know that if I am spiritually fit, I can handle most any situation and not drink alcohol. But if I'm not feeling spiritually fit, or I didn't pray that day, or I'm not staying humble, or I'm not, I'm not in a good headspace, you know what I mean? You know, when you're not spiritually fit and you, and if you're feeling that way, you can't put yourself in the situation. You know what I mean? Like for me, I, I mean, obviously we're on lockdown, but if I'm not feeling it that day, I won't when I'm working out and I'm running around the block, I won't go a certain way where I pass an old liquor store.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'll,
1: I'll go the other way because I know if I see that place and then I'm thinking, and then my mind starts running, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I have to make sure that I'm spiritually fit. And, and so far I've, I've been able to do that, you know, and it's, it's been working. It's been working.
0: That's really good. That's really good. Uh, That's crazy. You brought that up because we were talking about uh, in the meeting I went to earlier today. Uh, someone shared about how uh, he was going through that same situation you're talking about um, where you don't even pass that liquor store. He, uh, um, not reconnected, but uh, had a conversation with an ex-girlfriend of his and uh, realized that he uh, was acting terrible, acting, terrible idea. <laughs> acting out of some character defects of his and uh, realized that he just moved down here from uh, upstate, upstate New York, I think, uh, upstate New York uh he just moved down here and he literally was saying like I'm sitting here yelling at this girl knowing that it's because I'm not spiritually fit when he when he when this happens in his life he knows because he's not spiritually fit right
1: That's it's like cool. you're in the middle of doing something like that and then you think like what am I doing <laughs>
0: like, That's exactly like been, what you're
1: for, you know what you're for almost a year and a half I've been working on this and this is where I'm at I'm yelling at an ex-girlfriend right now
0: through the phone oh yeah it's, it's, it's unbelievable man unbelievable uh, how, uh, how things work like that because I'll do the same thing and, that, that, and that's why you work the steps man like you, uh, you, you work a 10 step see my response to it was I kind of shared but did like kind of a um, in another meeting kind of some crosstalk we were talking about the 10 step and, that, and it kind of reminds me of the same topic of where I have to work a 10 step all, throughout the whole entire day for me I have to whenever I'm wrong I have to probably admit it and apologize to that person right then of course. And, uh, I don't want to cool. deal with it tomorrow. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to I hit it head on, get it over right. with, and, and move forward, man, move forward. Um, but is there anything else uh, that you want to say to, to kind of reach out to anybody? Anything uh, that you had thought that you might have sh- wanted to share? Yeah, there, there, is to
1: actually, there is actually one more thing I, I would like to say. Um, I know that when I was, um, you know, first – thinking about getting sober and first in and out of the rooms and stuff like that. And I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, I was an alcoholic, but I had reservations. Um, well, there's a line in the big book. There's a quote in the back that, I, that I'd, I'd like to read. And yeah, do it. it says, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. And that's a quote by Herbert Spencer. And and what that is, is he's basically saying, assuming that I know how something is before I've given it a shot. You know what I mean? Oh, I know AA is not going to work for me. Or I know smart recovery is not going to work for me. Or I know I'm not religious. I don't want to hear that, you know. Um, I would say the best recommendation I have is to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. If you are down and out and you were at a rock bottom like I was, you ain't got nothing to lose you know
0: 100 100 uh that reminds me there's i got this thing on my phone um i read it every morning uh it's a a guy in recovery he's got about 16 years of recovery i didn't realize um this text he sent me was going to be like the foundation of the start of my sobriety and how dedicated i got but uh i want you to hear it also it's uh after sobriety you'll have a bright and promising future. A life full of joy, security, and with the right found foundation, true freedom. And uh, after working the steps and working the working an honest program and giving back to others, uh, I believe I found that true freedom. Uh, and it's all because of uh, the uh, AA and the Unity of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's it's an amazing thing. It really is. And uh, yeah. I'm glad that uh, you've been able to come on here with me, and uh, we've been able to talk about this. I hope we can do it again. Uh, yeah. it was really good. Uh um, But uh, we're about to run out of time, and I think that's about it for right now. Um, And we'll catch everybody next time. Thank you.